This is Elsian. Pronounced local. Oh, living a creative life. I'm Rawat Majdi. And I'm Muhammad Sirul. We're creatives talking to creatives about what it means to be a creative. So get ready for some delicious conversations and awesome takeaways so that you can maximize your own creative life. Tonight we have Amin Fari, aka Mr. Fari, aka Nine Nuggets. <laughs> He's a music entrepreneur who also dabbles in fashion, art, and jewelry. Welcome, Amin. We are so excited to have you here tonight. What's up? What's up? <laughs> How you guys doing? Oh, good. They're good. I mean, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, so basically, I'm uh, a talent agent. I have a company called The Talent Shop, and um, I book people in like a bunch of cool places. I've, am I allowed to say who I've worked with or not yet? Yeah, yeah you can do. definitely. I mean, uh, I you know, uh, Red Bull, Rock names. House, yeah, like Hamra, you know, um, hopefully soon with Chanel and different companies nice. that. I, I really try to find the coolest musicians in Kuwait and I try to pair them up with the coolest companies I know. And hopefully they become really cool and they work together and I make a profit out of it. I mean, I, I make a living. Um, I also have another cool project called Golden Touch Records and that's with uh, Mahmoud Kamil and uh, it's like this electro rock thing. So I'm, I'm trying to always like, you know, push the boundaries of what music can go for in Kuwait. Um, yeah, so that's that's me. I think the work that you do is like so important here in Kuwait. I feel like we're still kind of opening the doors in a way to what music can be and the way that music can be seen here in Kuwait. And I think that you're kind of leading the way, I have to say. You're the pioneer Thank behind you. it. Um, so have you been doing this like all your life? How did you get into music? So I got into music because I felt like I needed to express myself um, differently. In my house, there were like all painters and they were all like calligraphers, artists. They were very visually oriented. And I felt like I could not fit into that. For some reason, I needed a different dimension. So I was like, how about music? And music spoke to me because... I think there's a part of my brain, I, I have a tendency to ruminate a lot. So I think music has this way of kind of like, chill out, homie. It, this is a pace. This is a, and I was like, okay, I'm consuming music, but what if I created music that was also about like getting into a, a better pattern in my life? Mm. So I was like, that's what inspired me to be more of a musician. Um, I went, I studied business because... I'm Arab, so Arabs must study business. Sure. Your family makes you do it no matter what. And then I gave that diplo- diploma to my dad, and I was like, I'm going to study Here music. There you go. <laughs> and then I ended up studying music production, music business. Um, it's still very related. I guess the blood is still business. So, yeah. And uh, I graduated in MI Musicians Institute of Los Angeles, and I stayed there interning DJing, doing the hustle, getting paid like, you know, for like six hours, only like 15 KD. Oh yeah, I was doing the like DJing, getting up, studio, wrapping cables, getting pizza, getting coffee, go to sleep for three hours. Intern as the meaning yeah. of the word. Yeah, intern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then like kicked out of being interned like they don't even want your free work you know (laughs) um and then i worked for like g-star and uh which was the fashion side which i helped 
like stylists and photographers. And that was making a lot of money for me at that time um, in L.A. But I moved to L.A. to study music and I was doing really well as a stylist and it hurt me. I felt bad. I was like, I didn't sacrifice everything in my life to be a stylist and I didn't even study this. And I sacrificed a lot more. I mean, I sacrificed the relationship. I was like, bye to my girlfriend at that time. I'm moving to LA with my guitar, that whole thing. So I was like, I, I gave up too much to kind of just work in something I didn't come for, you know? And with that decision, my dad was like, come to Kuwait. I have, you know, calligraphy, jewelry, things that you can work on. I came back here, really sad and depressed with LA. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sing somewhere. And I just started singing randomly, like in Beit Lodan or Shakshuka. And then they were like, I'll pay you. And I'm like, how much? And then they're like, uh, 20K an hour. I'm like, that's better than $50 for like four hours. Wow. So I'm like, I guess I'm making a winning here, you know? So yeah, that, that was kind of my transition to how it all went down, you know? I was, I was singing reggae or like, Jason Mrazi stuff, which is very like, you know, kumbaya, very cute. And I really thought that was something cool at that time, but it wasn't gravitating. People weren't like digging it. And it was just like, okay, got to find something else. So yeah, that's how I got to Kuwait. Awesome. And regarding music, like you actually shifted from business and going like, you know, after your dream to LA and studying and all this stuff and coming back to Kuwait. I'm like curious why, like what happened? What led you there, like this direction? I think I, think I wanted to, to, to kind of have music so close to oneself. I know it's weird, but like, I think like I was raised where like art is very sacred, but it was only visual. But I was like, yeah, but but music can be very sacred too. And it can be, it doesn't have to be visual. It could be like fully auditory. And so there was this kind of drive in me to search for like good quality music or like music that was empowering or that was healthy because they always give you this thing where like, well, the music is only booty and hip hop and weird or, you know, or very, like Shawaya, I don't know. Am I allowed to mix languages in this podcast? Yeah, it's fine. Fine. yeah, yeah like Shawaya or like, you know, Shelat or very weird. And it's like, you know, we as a, I mean, culturally, we're throwing the baby away in the bathwater because there is so much other good quality music that we don't respect. And it's like, oh, because there's hip hop and they're in bikini, therefore all music is banned. It's like, no, 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 no. There, there's so much more. And so there was a part of me of saying like, we need other things to kind of show better value and be like, yeah, a harp player, a conga player, this has nothing to do with bikini, you know? And, and, and so there was this part of me to, I guess, kind of prove it to myself and to my family and to my surrounding that, that music is not only sinful, you know? Music is also an expression that is positive. And I think that was the center core for me, you know? Um, so do you feel like, okay, that was a while ago where you felt like you've had to like prove yourself, prove yourself to yourself, prove yourself to your family, to society. Do you still feel like these days do you have to prove the, the value of music? I think I have, there's a part in me that wants to prove it to myself. Um, 
like you always have this feeling like i mean are you like okay i'm gonna speak to myself like how i do i mean are you out of touch you know i sometimes have conversations with myself like me and a homie you know i'm like dude are you are you not is your ear not on like in the streets are you are you so outdated that you're not into so i research music a lot i try to keep myself updated i have my own like kind of proof like uh, proving myself issue I think that is also important in an artist. Um, do I need to prove things to peers? Do I need to prove things to friends? That has diminished a lot because I kind of grew in my skin and be like, look, man, I've been doing this for a while. I've taken every event. I've heard every feedback. You know, I've seen every manipulation of sound. And so there's a part of me that doesn't necessarily have to prove it to the people. Um, I've seen very bad events and I've seen very good events. So I'm like, I, I'm not saying that I've seen it all, but like my mileage and my, my skin has definitely tanned, you know, if that's a term. But I still, I still ask myself, you know, do you got it? Do you, do you know what you're talking about? Do you? And I think this transition into being DJ, which is kind of like my most recent transition, was kind of me saying like, Okay, if you don't have a band, if you don't have musicians that play reggae, if you don't have certain things, are you going to be a product of your situation or are you going to try to manipulate the situation to your advantage? So I was like, okay, what I do have is an ear for music that I've developed for a long time. So I might as well put it to use. These are my favorite tracks. Oops, now I'm a DJ. So I started going to places and being like, no, I'm not going to play what you want. Let me do my thing. I'll give you a super discount. And they're like, wow, really? It started going really well. And that was my way to be like, homie, what's up with you? Are you just going to be like this guitar dude that just like tries to think about positive things? Like I am tough on myself, you know, and that like evolve. I, I constantly ask myself to evolve, evolve again. Like I had a, like a man bun for a long time, shave my head. Like what is, can you push yourself to the farthest you can go to? And, and that's my own issue with myself. And sometimes it could be a bad drive. Sometimes it could be maniacal or like, is it your ambition? Is it? And I have to kind of ask myself, like, that's why I talk to myself like a homie. I'm like, yo, are we going to really do this? Is this? I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm going to DJ today. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that really answered, but I, I still have to prove to myself. Yeah. So you feel like you have to prove to yourself more than anybody else? I think it has to do with like, yeah, if not, then I'm, then I'm just a consumer in the music industry and then I'm just a plugger and I, and I kind of, there's a part of me that feels like I have to evolve and hopefully I can create work that also is really powerful. Right. Because you know? that's what I'm trying to get at. Exactly. Do you think that Kuwait has opened up to this kind of stuff so that you don't have to prove to society anymore that people just kind of understand where you're coming from? Or is it still a constant struggle, do you think? I think uh, Kuwait like, has a, a very um, big span of people. Mm. And I think there's certain groups of people that, yeah, accept it. And whether it's through education or Internet and exposure, they're like, yeah, I get it. I get your vibe. I like some people like book me simply by seeing somebody else's Instagram and being like, yo, I heard two songs. Yeah, do this whole event. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice of you. And then, you know, some DJs look at me and they go, how did he do that? Like, how does he throw in like Sudanese world music? And then all of a sudden, like weird stuff. And it's because it's not because it's because I've been doing it 
in a way where I feel like if anybody's going to kick me out, it's like I, I kind of have the credit to be here, you know, for me. But yeah, I get situations where people are like, what's well, that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm actually really curious about going back to the the part when you said that you went back and went to LA, and then you decided to come to Kuwait with that feeling that I don't know if I can say it failed, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you can. Um, like, I mean, like, do you feel this way yes. about it? And yes, I did. As actually. a musician, as a creative, absolutely. you know, this part, this experience. Yeah. I'm sure that was really intense and I'm really curious how did you go through this? So, uh, I mean, I feel like I was, I failed. I mean, and I'll say it straight up. I grew up thinking that Los Angeles was like the place where stars, music stars are born. And I went all the way there with all my savings and all the support of my family. And I looked right up the mountain and I got the door closed on. So for me, it was very painful. And um, I, I do believe there was, there was substances involved in my time there. So I did, I wasn't thinking clearly. Mm. And I kind of spiraled. And, um, and in, in LA, there's this thing where people only come for three months. They call it like... Um, They say that you're you're a local in Los Angeles when you live for three years. I lived over three years, so I kind of knew everything about Los Angeles. But people only come for three months for filming. So even relationships and friendships, they were so short. You wouldn't see consistency in people. And people would be replaced so quickly. So I remember like one of the last moments was I saw a really good musician from my school okay, decide to quit music. Like he was the best. Like, I knew he was amazing. Like, I was like, this dude is going to get a Grammy. And he was like, no, I'm done. I, I can't. I mean, record labels weren't signing Napster. All this was like creating a problem. And so I got into a depression. And I was like, wow, you know, I sacrificed so much. I, you know, and I don't think I was in a, in a good place mentally. And, and then I moved to Kuwait and I saw it like kind of like, a rehab in a way I moved here and I was like let me just detox and it was like almost a year where I was just like very sad and dry and failed and being like but that my mind at that time was also dependent on other people so I was like I'm a singer songwriter and I'm gonna sing in every coffee shop and hopefully hopefully Warner Music will sign me <laughs> you know I had this mentality where I was dependent on somebody to hopefully find me and find me at such a good time and say, he's awesome. Mm -hmm. And the chances of that happening in LA now, and I look at it, I was fooling myself, mm -hmm. you know? And I knew, I'm like, I look at it now and I think that's like, dude, what were you thinking? <laughs> But what changed? I think what, what changed for me was to say, you know, If you, if you die as a person, you can't make music, you know? And if you don't love yourself as a person, if you, if you don't create the boundaries for self-care or self-help, you're not going to create that thing that you want to create. No matter how driven, if you're driven and you end up becoming a bum and like you lose all your teeth and everything, at the end, they're going to be like, you were so driven for like a few songs on the radio, dude. 
So I had to really visit that in my brain. And I had to build better models of like thinking. Obviously, this thinking that I'm in at that time was a grandiose thinking. It was like, I hope to be famous one day. And I hope to have a lavish mansion, right? I had this grandiose, being famous will solve everything. And I had this, and I, and I knew that that mindset wasn't correct. And so I start introducing like better books, you know, books that had to do with like Robert Greene too, which I'm a fan of, which had to do with power, seduction, mastery. I started getting into Stoic philosophy. I started getting into like Ryan Holiday, Tim Ferriss, people that look at how your brain works in a very fast paced society. And I started looking at fame differently, you know? I started looking at why do we do the things we do? So can you tell us a little bit more about Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday? What exactly do they do they talk about? What is it, what is it that you took from them? I think, uh, so these guys, basically, in a weird way, they also had this like kind of dream of like, for example, Ryan Holiday wanted to be a very strong public relation company. He worked with American Apparel. But then also he he got like, betrayed and fired and like burnt but his campaign was amazing he did a really amazing campaign and so a lot of what you see is people that tried to be extremely famous extremely quickly and flop so also tim ferris had like this huge vitamin like thing and then also flopped and what they did was say okay i was i was experiencing externally a lot of things and so internally i'm going to look for better tools and that's what they both have in common. Tim Ferriss is a little bit more of a gadget computer version where he's like, okay, less phone hours or how to streamline things so that things are more automated so you can be a better entrepreneur. Where Ryan Holiday was more like, um, you know, the obstacle is the way, uh, try to find a different angle to your problems. So they both had tools to individuals that were going through like very tumultuous or very up and down times. And I found that really, really helpful because I feel like, you know, culture, even family, even certain elements don't teach these kind of daily tools to kind of manage your inner feelings and your inner problems. I think a lot of creatives um, have gone through something that you've gone through in some sort. I think a lot of people, when they start working or they start to create in some way, they're just kind of like, okay, I'm going to start to do this and then I'm going to continue doing this and then I'm going to get famous. And for a lot of us, it's like crash to earth. I'm not going to get famous. Or, and if I do, it's going to be like a one in a million kind of thing. And so I think it's really, it's really interesting that you say that, well, you mentioned self-care and self-love. I think that's really, really important. Um, but also finding the tools. And what's really cool is that you're not talking specifically about specific tools, but you're talking about the tools that worked for you. Correct. And I think that there's tools that work for everybody. There's different tools that work exactly. for everyone. And I think that's really cool. I really appreciate that. I mean, so speaking of tools and, and techniques, and, and this is what I'm really, really interested in. Like for you as a man, what did you pick up from these, um, uh, you know, tools and techniques like you have read about and experienced okay so i i think one that is my favorite is how to like observe a lot um observation i think is something that could be done in any state you're in and whether i was depressed at that time or feeling happy i try to constantly observe things and then also try to find patterns 
and at the same time find relationships between things so you're like okay well explain a little bit so what i tried to do was like i would say okay so here's a hip-hop song and hip-hop song has these drums in it and but it has a little bit of let's say a violin in it but then it has a little bit of french in it french singing and what i would do was kind of see this in a different art form so i'd be like okay, how would I apply this song in food? And then I'd be like, okay, so hip-hop, drums, let's say that's barbecue beef. And then let's say French, let's put that in a baguette. And then, um, you know, and I would try to find elements and they would kind of like give me confirmation. Because if you look at the cuisine world, in, in essence, there's a recipe. And they're sticking to a recipe and they're experimenting. The beauty about the, the cuisine world is that they experiment and you taste it. And if it sucks, it sucks and you know it right away. <laughs> but true. musically, it takes a long time for you to know you suck. But you because, have to try it. Like, right. Keep trying. So you're making it. You're constantly making it. So, so music, it takes one month to kind of get a song done. But like with a sandwich, you can kind of get it done in like half an hour to an hour. But the language is actually very close. I mean, for me with the ways I developed mm-hmm. was to find easier patterns to work with. Another thing that a lot of these stoic ideas come from is, I mean, for me is to study a lot of people's biographies. You know, I look into fashion designers. I look into chefs. I look at what their life went through. What's their inspiration. So like some of the biggest chefs go back and they visit like their grandma and they ask for the recipe or like a fashion designer would be like, I was inspired by a cereal box you know, and you'd be like, oh, that's so weird. And I'm going to dress Miley Cyrus in French fries. And so for me, I try to observe things that constantly push the boundaries of what we think are normal, you know. And so patterns, observation and stretching your mind, I think are very much like tools that I, I picked up from Stoic philosophy, from entrepreneurship, I think. So do you feel like that? helps you in creating your own music and your own stuff? I think it it makes me see things in different angles, which kind of deep deepen or create depth to art. Um, because I can be like, yo, let's just make this hip-hop very normal. And it'd be like, yo, it's cool I, hip-hop. I mean, like, I, I kind of get you. Like, if you're blindly cooking, yeah, you get what I'm saying? Like, you can't just put fish in... I mean, it might happen, and you might get it right. Probably, but there's some kind of rule, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like some kind of a universal, let's say, um, pattern that you need to be observant of. And And then make the changes in the pattern. Yeah, Yeah, like you can't just like, I would assume, okay, you can't just like pick up a a music instrument that you have no clue how to play, and you just want to try to learn it or teach yourself how to play out of nothing. Right. You need a reference. You need you need ideas to kind of pull mm-hmm. you in. Um, another, I mean, I'm going to go back to food. Sorry, guys. No yeah, yeah, I love, love food. Okay. <laughs> so one of, one of my examples about food and music have to do with a specific, like what we are experiencing on our radio life right now is like fast food. Okay. The music that we're experiencing is fast food. All right. But, there, but fast food is not the only food. 
There's a lot of different food. There's gourmet. There is like homemade mama's food. And that you can equate it to music too. That stuff that, that people say, oh, it's so provocative on the radio. That is equivalent to fast food. And just like fast food has a thing to your body, music that is like fast food also affects you in that same way. If you listen to really good music, there's a different cadence in your life. There's a different walk in how you kind of envision things. Like weirdly, you can listen to a track and be like, I kind of just want to cry. And you're like, I didn't know that was there. Trust me, no radio music is going to do that to you. But there are really good pieces out there that you go, that feels so good. It's like somebody whispered something lovely to you. And so there's that's that's why I always try to compare things to other things so that we can kind of speak metaphorically and that they can be like well if food is like music then a korean barbecue a wrap right uh, uh, you know how they do tacos with korean food yeah they can be like okay technically i can put spanish drums and then i can do this thing and it kind of sound weird you can i know it sounds like i know this sounds no no, no it's actually, actually actually i do agree with you you know i can yeah, yeah. I, I think what i'm trying to say is like these are exercises for you to kind of say how to experiment better, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You experiment better by creating languages in different places and watch the mixing happen and then apply it to different things. Like if I'm allowed to say, if you're a writer of fiction, okay, you can try to imagine something new. Like, let's say you want to write about science fiction, but the science fiction book is actually taking place in the past, Okay. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It's not even you, like... You put things that are yeah, really, yeah. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you exactly. mix things up and it's, it's, it has this kind of a theme of science fiction, but it's actually not... Yeah. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Yeah. So it becomes yeah. like retro. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. You're, There's you're, like different you're, pieces of different things yeah. put together into something new. Yeah, yeah which I definitely is like, agree. I, I guess this, this is lovely. Like, if you actually compare with food and does it taste good? Does that... What you wrote is actually taste good. Right. And if it doesn't... <laughs> is what you wrote taste good? I yeah. like that question. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> that should be the quote. Yeah. You know, for yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> I so, do believe it. So, I mean... Um, oh, I forgot my question. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, um, if I wanted to start looking at things this way, if I wanted to put together different languages and translate them and create patterns and do all this cool stuff, how would you recommend that I start? Okay, so... I recommend this exercise or um, I recommend kind of like maybe take and I'm going to make it very simple, like take half an hour of your day. okay, and do kind of like a very strong observation moment. okay, but also understand to label it. So you can be like that door is extra shiny with a little bit of glimmer here and that guitar and, and that you kind of start to observe things for what they are and kind of like give value to the things around you and then you start to create a language and also talk to yourself in a way so I tell like my sister or whatever I tell them you know create a language with yourself like um, I really think that's funny and if I did it this way it would work that way hmm so there's a curiosity and I, I don't know if that but I guess half an hour of you doing self-talk observing things and seeing if they kind of relate to each other and sometimes they won't I, I mean it's not like there's an end result it's just like how to get your brain to 
to stretch. You and know, the more you observe, the more patterns yeah. you're gonna get, exactly. and the more possibilities there. If I may exactly. say. So, what's next for you? I mean, what's your plans? I think, like, as as a as a, there's parts of me to kind of still evolve, and I do want to, like I said, there's self care and there's the mind and there's observing, but. I think there's a part of me that now wants to kind of approach like, you know, like the mental and like recovery and trauma parts of our society. I know that music therapy can work there, but I'm also like very into the, that community. There's a part of me that kind of wants to understand why human beings go through depression in these situations, why musicians, why artists go through it, how they express themselves, whether it's in rage or artistically and I'm, I'm very into that I mean that was amazing thank you so much you I highly appreciate your time and coming with us in the, in the podcast um, I'm gonna start thinking metaphorically with everything I do now patterns nice. uh, everywhere patterns. yeah there's patterns everywhere <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much you're welcome and best of luck with ever with everything you do um, musically and the, the the new passion you you're seeking and we wish you all the best um thank you guys for having me here and uh i've been a fan of both of you separately Aww. so this is great to be a fan with both of you here at the same time <laughs> so you know like like always as you guys push the culture it makes people like us feel better so thank you thank you so much cool cool